On today's episode of Her Wild Outdoors, Lindsay Persico joins me from Montana, and we are going to talk about mental health in the outdoors, and we're going to mainly talk about solo hunting and what that means for a woman and all of the things that we need to do for preparation and um, and how to truly just enjoy it. So join in, listen in, and let us know what you think. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us for an episode of Her Wild Outdoors. I'm excited about my conversation today. Uh, Lindsay, you are joining me. You're from Montana, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have been looking forward to this conversation. We've been talking about it for a little while, and I'm so glad that you were able to join me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And you on Instagram and on a lot of your stuff, you are Hunt Fiber. Can you kind of give me a background on what that means? Yeah, for sure. Everybody always asks me that. They're like, what is Hunt Fiber? (laughs) I know it has to mean something very, very important to you. So I I like to hear the background of these things. Well, for me, hunting is something that feels like it's ingrained in the core of who I am. It's like in the fibers that make up my being. And mm-hmm. um, I believe that we all come from ancest- an ancestry of hunting. It's mm-hmm. something that, you know, if, if we didn't have successful hunters in our background, we wouldn't be here today. And I feel like when I go out in the woods, when I'm hunting, those things just feel primal. They feel instinctual. They feel like something that is in my DNA. And so that's where the hunt fiber comes from. I love it because it is true. I don't know, even if you're not a hunter, we have people that listen who are just um, outdoorsmen who love to hike or fish or anything like that. But I think that it is that basic premise of getting outside that kind of feeds your soul a little bit on whatever level that you're doing it as. And I mean, I can go outside in my bare feet and just ground myself and feel so much better after just a few minutes. Yeah. It takes you to a different place. It takes me to a different place mentally. When I get, when I get outside and I'm by myself and I'm away from the hustle and the bustle and the noise and the chaos, Mm -hmm. I'm able to, I don't know, connect with some part of my brain or soul, if you want to call it that, I call it that a lot, um, that I can't, I can't hear it when, when I'm in town, when I'm in, you know, the hustle bustle of life, like that's where I'm able to connect with that. And it's very valuable to me. Yeah. I think it does bring that balance back. Uh, whereas you hear a lot of people and I found, found myself like this, um, even a few years ago saying, I'm just so busy. I want to connect with family. I want to connect with uh, friends and relationships that I've had in the past, but I'm just so busy. And so it's that, okay, but why are you busy? What are you busy with? And when I get to a point where I go, I don't know, what am I busy with? Have I put too much on my plate? And it kind of, I kind of need to step outside of those distractions to figure out, okay, what's important? What can come off of the schedule? What can come off of my plate where I can balance back out and be more healthy and be able to engage more so relationally with my family or with a friend versus spreading myself too 
too uh, thin. And being able to step outside and do that, I think there's just clarity in it. There is. And I feel like in our day and age, it's almost if you want to be a functioning member of society, it's almost impossible to get that enough really for help. And for, for, I, I find that, you know, that's where I'm happiest. That's where I find joy. That's where I know that's where I belong. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be something that's a giant part of my life. And I try to fit it in as much as I can and get as much of it as possible. But in this culture and in our society and the way that we function, it's never enough. No, <laughs> it's, it's enough. not. It's not. And I think that it's to a misfortune at times that our world has gotten so big that um, it is hard to come back to some piece of stillness and quiet and and peace. Yeah. You see those folks that have very little um, that live, you know, in a more even in a third world country mm-hmm. kind of a situation. And no, it's not a good situation. No, I don't want to live there. I don't wish us to be there. But at the same time, they have a joy that we don't have. And there's something to be said for that basic survival life. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of that kind of an experience with the show that I was on. And yeah, it takes you to a different place mentally. The stress level in your body goes down so much. (laughs) Isn't that weird though? Like being in a survival situation, it, you are still able to appreciate that mental standing of where you are, where the the physical stress might be higher, but the mental stress brings down, um, that, that whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. Simple stress. It's a basic human needs stress and that's stressful and it would be way more stressful. You know, if I had a family, I was trying to provide Mm -hmm. for my family, those types of things would definitely change. I'm sure the mental stress of it, but yeah, there is just something that cannot be denied about the mental benefits of getting in the outdoors and just the place it puts you at in your soul. I think that that's something that we are lacking. Like if you are talking to Um, anyone in the mental health industry, uh, whether it's a counselor or a psychologist or psychiatrist, you, they don't automatically go to that, do they? (laughs) It's not an automatic, get your serotonin levels up naturally, get out in nature, go for walks, take time each day to get outside. That's not like the first go-to. And I think that that should definitely be daily on a, on your schedule for your mental health. I think it makes a big difference. I really do. And, you know, it seems like such a simple thing. And for, there are people out there that don't have the ability to get out and, and see what we can see, but even just the fresh air, even just someplace where you can hear, you know, a bird, maybe something, Mm -hmm. those little things are very valuable. It's very, very true. Well, I want to take us back just a little bit because I kind of want to hear your background and how the outdoors infiltrated your life. And, you know, was that from the beginning of your life? Did you have mentors bringing you up in that? Um, I just kind of want to hear that background from you. Yeah. So I was born in Idaho and I was born into a family that was very outdoor 
focused. My mom didn't hunt, but she loved to be outside and she was always encouraging us to get outside and ride bikes or ride. She liked when she was growing up, she'd ride a motorcycle, just <laughs> loved to be in the outdoors. My dad was a hunter. Um, and he's the one that instilled that love of hunting in me. Mm-hmm. And I've always said I, I owe it to him because I had an older brother. It would have been really easy for him to just take my older brother hunting and not think about taking me. Um, but he didn't do that. He made time to include me and take me along on hunts. And we've turned into like the best hunting buddies. Oh, I love that. <laughs> we still hunt together to this day. I look forward to it every year. We go elk hunting. He hunts and I try to videotape and kind of capture it. So we have it to look back on every year. And it's just a good time. He's He's the one that I really credit my love and passion for the outdoors to. You know, we've, I've talked to you, let's see, this past year, almost 60 women over the past year and a half. And I would say the majority of the generation that I have been talking to, uh, their mentor or their inspiration was a man in their life. I think I've talked to three or four women who have had a mom or a woman just ahead of them that has inspired them into it growing up. And it has been interesting to think ahead to like the next generation coming up right now to how that's going to be different and how many women now are that inspiration, women like you, whether it's in your household or whether it's a, a girl right now watching you as she's growing up. And um, I have never discounted the value of men in our lives, good men who have brought us into this community and into this lifestyle, whether from a child or as an adult. But it's going to be really cool to see the impact that women are having on this next generation, whether for a daughter or a son or just a child in their lives. Yeah, I think it's going to be a giant shift, as you say, because as I was growing up, I can't remember. I can't think of, I mean, I'll take that back. There were a few, few women that I knew who would hunt, but it was not quite like what my dad was doing. They would Mm -hmm. get a deer tag and they would go out maybe once and try to get a deer for the freezer. And, you know, that was cool. It was a friend, you know, an older lady, Mm -hmm. one of them, an older lady who was a friend, kind of like a grandma. And the other one was my grandma. Um, but I never saw them. They didn't have that passion to go out and just experience it all. And it was very, very focused on, Hey, I'm going to get a deer tag and I go out, try to shoot a doe and fill the freezer, which that's awesome too. But no, the, the majority of the people that I watched hunting and saw hunting were all men. And when I would go to hunting camps or be involved in groups of people, it was always men. I was the only girl there. Yeah. Much hundred percent of the time. (laughs) And that's definitely changed since I was young. There's so many more women involved and I'm glad to see it. It's it's encouraging. I'm glad to see it too. I think that whether you're a man or a woman, you bring something different to the table, right? It doesn't matter your sex. It, it matters what skills you're bringing, what emotion, what, um, mentality, um, the way that you look at things, it it's different for each person. So it will be interesting. My, my husband is 
much more on the analytical side of hunting, whereas I am, I want to know everything about it, but it's very experience driven. It's very passionate and there's a lot of feelings that go along with it. And so for the, for our kids to be able to see both sides of that, um, I think that it's going to develop more well-rounded hunters coming up. So I think that that's what I'm most excited about is seeing that influence from from the different types of hunters playing in on how we're growing our community. Yeah, that make, that's a good point. I never would have considered that. But yeah, the future generations are going to be getting a little bit more of a well-rounded view of it if they're seeing it from their mom's side and their dad's side or Mm -hmm. maybe an aunt or grandpa and yeah Yeah. I think that's really cool it will be interesting to see how that may change and affect things I hope it's in a positive way I can't see it being negative being able to see different sides of it but um but I think that it'll be interesting to watch them grow into it in that capacity but then how they're going to teach their next generation and how that will, I think I'm more interested in seeing that, how that's going to impact the way they teach and grow the next generation. For sure. I feel like in general, our world is moving more in that direction. You know, there's more of a patience and an understanding and a desire for some of the feelings Mm -hmm. that go along with a lot of different things. And, you know, it might be a good turning point for hunting to be able to be understood from more of that perspective moving forward. That may be an important part of preservation for hunting. I agree. I think who Blood Origins does a pretty good job of showing the emotional side of it, the personal side of uh, the feelings that come from hunting, not necessarily just the like I'm hunting for food or I'm hunting because of tradition. Like there are so many other reasons that make it so personal. It's hard to argue against somebody's personal conviction or feeling. You can't argue against what somebody feels. And so it's pretty, I think that's an important thing to get out there for the non-hunting world and for the anti-hunting world. Right. Science can mitigate the need for the physical benefits that come from hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always a way around that, but you can't, science can't mitigate the mental health benefits Mm -hmm. and the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those things that you can't deny it and you can't change that. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Tell me some, and I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking on this emotional side of it. it. Has there been a hunt that stands out to you over your lifetime that has brought on such an emotional um, roller coaster or uh, high or low that has impacted the way you have continued hunting? Um, yeah, I would say my first deer that I went out a hundred percent, just completely by myself and hunted and brought it home. That one, that one's the one that has fueled just my love for solo hunting and just Mm -hmm. going out and doing it myself because what I loved about it was the freedom I had being out there alone. I got to shape the story Mm -hmm. and events in the way that I wanted them to go. Instead of following somebody else to where they think we should hunt, I get to look at the landscape 
pick it apart myself and decide where do I want to go? Where do I think would be the best place for me to go? And it's almost like one of those books where it's like, pick your own story. Yes. <laughs> you know, you come to a point as you're going throughout the hunt, you know, you have to make choices over and over again. You're making choices. Do I go right? Do I go left? Do I sit here and call? Do I keep walking? Do I glass? All these different decisions. And I loved getting to pick my own story and make it myself. And, and it just takes me to a totally different mental place when I'm out there by myself and I'm able to do that. So I'd say that hunt where I went out and just found a small buck. He wasn't anything, you know, special or fancy, but he was like a turning point for me in my view of what hunting was and what it was going to be for me. How old were you? I would have been probably 21. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty pivotal time in your life anyways, when you're making choices along the way that it they're going to impact the rest of your life, yet you're doing it on your own. So it kind of works hand in hand with, with that lifetime change. Yeah. And I mean, I was in a different place as a 20, uh, 21 years old than a lot of people are mm-hmm. by my, by my own personal decisions. I mean, I was a mother and I was a wife and I was in a situation where I didn't feel like I had very much freedom. I was in a difficult relationship, an abusive relationship. And mm-hmm. it was something that felt very yeah, like I felt very trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and that day getting to go out and do something that where I just felt a hundred percent free, it was such a giant emotion for me. It was such something that just meant the world to me. And I think that's why I clung to it. So yeah. Hard. Yeah. That makes a huge amount of sense. I, I think that a lot of women who've reached out to me and the podcast like I have told you before, their biggest question is, how do I get into solo hunting? Why would I get into solo hunting? It seems so overwhelming to think about it. And I think when I go back, I started hunting in 2013. So I was in my 30s. Um, I had had young kids. And I think that at that point in time, it was... Um, I was at the point where I needed to decide, am I, am I losing my identity in my kids and, or am I losing my identity in my significant other? Am I losing who I am at the core by being so overwhelmed with motherhood and working and all of that, that I'm, I'm losing the basic, um, part of me. And so I didn't have a choice. Um, I had to hunt solo. We had young kids at home and it was one of those situations. Hey, if you want to hunt, you can, but this is how you're going to have to do it. And I'm glad that I was thrown into it that way because I mean, my first hunt that I went on, I was alone. I walked in alone. I walked into the dark alone and just kind of had to be thrown into the fire, which is how I learn best. But the same situation the first time that I went from the beginning to the end, from from getting out into nature to butchering the animal in the same day, the feeling of not just pride, because I was very proud of myself for being able to do it, but the, the sense of this is who I am. 
This is, you know, my kids are going to grow and and leave and they've got their own lives and their own identities that they're learning right now. But who am I at the very core? Who am I? And I think that that day that a lot of those questions were answered, not necessarily in I know the meaning of life now, but I know what I can do on my own. I know that I can. I know that I want to. And I know that um, the desire isn't going to stop there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's incredibly empowering mm-hmm. as a female. And it, there is that sense of pride in the accomplishment. But like you said, it's more than that. It's a feeling of like, I am capable of doing this thing that's very difficult. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing to do. Um, it's, a, it's a way of providing for my kids it gives you a sense of accomplishment and empowerment that you can't find maybe outside of that. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something as a mom, I I feel what you're saying with that because you do, you kind of lose your sense of who you are. And sometimes you kind of have to, I mean, you have to let go of who you are in order to benefit the kids and take care of the family. And in that situation I was in, I was in dramatic ways having to really lose touch with who I was just to preserve what Mm -hmm. I could for my kids. Mm -hmm. And when I got out into the outdoors and especially by myself, that was the only place I really had a connection with who I really was still. That was probably the only place that allowed me to truly be me and preserve that. And so I I found it so valuable. That's stuck me since then. Yeah. I, I think that no matter what circumstance you're coming from, uh, getting to a place where you can do something like this, it whether it takes whether it's overnight or or right. whether it takes years, because I, I don't want anybody to think, oh, Amy went out on her first solo hunt and did all of these things. No, it was years in the making. Um, it was it was not even harvesting an animal for two years. It was just, I got hooked from day one because of being out there and being able to be in my own thoughts and mm-hmm. battle some things that that mentally and emotionally I had not dealt with. And so it allowed the time to do that in the quiet of nature without the distractions. But over those years of learning skills along the way and what works and what doesn't work and only being able to uh, call myself out for the mistakes that I had made um, in hunting did I learn. And so years down the road, when I finally was able to do that full day, I did it from from point A to point Z. Um, It was like all of those years came it was very emotional. All those years came together in that one fruition of, damn, I did it. You know, it was, <laughs> it, it just, I, the flood of emotions was so high and low. And, and I, there was just a whole bunch that I felt that day that I wish for each woman out there. Well, for any hunter out there, but I think um, there's just something special about it. It really is a journey of learning who you are. I mean, there's something about going out, even if you're not hunting, Mm -hmm. but you're going out by yourself into nature, you're, you are required to sit alone in the quiet with your thoughts. And that can be terrifying for a lot of people. (laughs) It truly can be. It truly can be. 
you can avoid that in our day and age. Like if you don't go out into the outdoors, you can kind of avoid that for a very long time in a lot of ways. But once you do that, once you're out there by yourself and you're alone with your thoughts, it's, it can be scary, but it's so good. It's Mm -hmm. so healthy. It's such an incredible way to, to work on that mental health. And that is so valuable. It's true. I'll preach that the day I die. (laughs) I I will too. I think that there's, like you said, there's a fear in it at first, especially when you're alone. Um, because you do have to think about those things and, um, and you do have to kind of weigh what do I want to keep doing this? Do I want, do I want the distractions of other people there? Do I want to just stay in the comfort of the electronics and the work and the, the day to day things that you're responsible for? And it takes that step, that choice to get out there and, you know, the days that I don't see anything are sometimes the days I walk away feeling a whole lot was accomplished, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always say that when I go out, like, you know, getting an animal is just a cherry on top of this giant Sunday of benefits. Like, mm-hmm. it, I don't have to get an animal to walk away successful that oh, day. Heck no. Uh-uh. There's so many other successes. But my mom will tell you, ever since I was a tiny, tiny little kid, um, I've been one of those kids that preferred to go off and play by myself. Mm -hmm. I like to be alone and, and I always have. And it's one of those things that as a mom, (laughs) you don't get very much alone time, especially in this day and age where our kids are, some of them, mine still are learning from home. And, you know, my husband works from home now and I work at home. So the alone time thing is almost non-existent and you have to go search it out if you want to have it it is not something that just happens easily for a mama no it's not it's true and see I was kind of the opposite I grew up and people would say oh she's the most extroverted person she's a people person she's a she's the one that wants to be in the center of everything and I think that looking back now working on my 41st year um it I look back and and see it as a way of distracting myself yeah I didn't growing up I don't think I had very many close friends until I was an adult I think I think I kept everybody at a distance but it was always moving and it was because I just needed that distraction and so as an adult, when I had kids, that was when I realized, man, I recover introverted. I need, yeah. <laughs> I need that alone time to a process through crap, yeah. um, right. but also recover from the constant need coming at mm-hmm. me. And, yeah. and I think that Almost every mom can relate to that and dads too, probably, but it's. Oh, yeah. Especially it, now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that every parent has realized that recovery is important, processing is important, and alone time is important. Yeah. When I come back from a much needed solo hunt like that, I'm such a much better mother. <laughs> so true. <laughs> usually been a little while since I was able to get out to one. So like the mom that leaves in the morning is not the mom that comes back that no, night. <laughs> it's so true. It's very true. And I think, um, I think that one of the things that scared me the most 
getting out into nature alone um, wasn't the wildlife. It was people. And I think that that's kind of what what I've received from other women, especially hunting public land. How do I prepare for that? How do I plan for safety? How do I look into this vast piece of property or even a small piece of property, walking in alone, walking out alone, being out there alone? How do I create security around myself? And how do you do that? You know, that is so such an interesting topic. And I and I oftentimes don't, I wish I had a better way of explaining the source of it. And it's something I should probably explore within myself to try to be able to find ways of explaining it to other women, because I know it would be so helpful. And as a woman, it is something we, we don't even realize how often we're thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for me, my source of confidence when I'm out there comes because I feel like I am my own security. Mm-hmm. Um, And I've spent a lot of time in a lot of different areas building that confidence. I've done martial arts for a period of time, and that gives me a sense of confidence that I can defend myself if I needed to. I've practiced a lot with a pistol. I know firearms. I'm very comfortable with defending myself with a firearm. Um, But there's also just this I have an attitude like, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I don't care. (laughs) And I can't tell you where that comes from, but you know, you get this feistiness in your nature. Like, yeah, if if you decide to pick, pick on this one, you're going to regret it. I've always told people, like if somebody attacks me and I die someday, you just look for the person that's missing half their face because (laughs) that's the person. And that's the attitude that I take with me when I go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I look at it like, you want to fight? Bring it on. It's not going to be fun. You're not going to enjoy it. But I've also tried to try to enable myself to have the skills I need to defend myself. You know, it is something that as women, that's something we need to invest time in. It's not something that we naturally have. We are not born stronger and, than men. We can't naturally just come out and do the same stuff that the guys are doing and be able to battle them physically and succeed. It's something we have to find tricks and we have right. to work to, to make ourselves to where we have a chance to be able to, you know, come to terms with, a, with another human like that and maybe come out on top. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you know, you never know, you never know. There's always that risk. And I guess I've come to the point where to me, what is out there is more valuable than the potential for the risk. Yes. And when you've come to the point where you know that it doesn't matter what obstacles are in your way, do whatever you can to try to mitigate them, but then you're going anyway. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. I think that that's one of the things that I've taken away from my son being in martial arts is you're not looking for the fight. You're not, you're always aware of what's around you. You don't put yourself in a situation that would require it, but you're always prepared for it. Um, And I think that's the best attitude to have going in as a solo hunter. You're, I don't go into a place without looking over it, even just using the internet working through it and seeing where those boundaries are, whatever mapping system that you use, just knowing where you are is, 
is key um, because that gives you confidence in yeah. where you're walking. For sure. Yeah. Understanding where you are, where you're allowed to be. Yes. Um, that makes a big difference. Yeah. And yeah, you have every right to be there mm-hmm. as much as anybody else does. So anybody would try to make you feel less than or like you shouldn't be there. It's true. <laughs> Stomp that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just go do it. I think the other thing that I've walked away from hunting private land versus public is I feel the same exact way on both parts of those in both of those areas when I don't know the property. Um, Now, you can't always know something familiar when you haven't spent time on it. And so if I walk in the off season through the WMA land that we have close by, if I walk during the day in the off season and I get familiar with it, it also brings a little bit more comfort going in during the season in the dark. It, there's a familiarity to it that gives a little bit more confidence. Not that my guard ever goes down, but, um, I don't think if I take it back just a second, I don't think having something negative happen to you as a woman is required in order to feel the necessity to be prepared, Um, or to be aware. I think that we are, it's ingrained in us that we always need to have eyes in the back of our head to be listening. Um, I don't, I don't think it was ever like taught to me that I need to be aware. I think it was just always there. Right. Yeah. That's an instinctual thing. I think for, for all women, Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as from what I've encountered and what, you know, women that I've talked to, it seems to be something that's just ingrained. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, it's something that all women have been dealing with since the beginning of time. So it's, it's, it's ingrained, but I, I mean, I, I wish that there was a way to explain a mindset. It's mm-hmm. difficult. It's difficult to put words to it, but I can tell you an experience that I just had. It was like two weeks ago, maybe a week ago. Yeah. Um, I was not, I, for hunting prep, I like to rock. So I'll put a bunch of weight in my pack and I'll go hike up a mountain that we have here nearby and it's winter time. So I'm using like the little crampons on my shoes and then I've got walking sticks and I'm hiking up this hill and I, and I get up to where it's closer to the top of the mountain. There's not as many people around. And I see these three younger men coming down the mountain. And you can tell just by the way that they were acting, they were young, you know, as women, your radar goes up, like, you know, you know, what kind of a man you're encountering almost before you get to them. (laughs) Yeah. Their body language says it all. Yes. Yeah. There's a sense, there's a sense there. And I'm like, huh, there's three of these guys that three guys. And I'm always armed. I have a firearm with me, but you know, I'm hiking. I have all these hiking sticks, you know, getting to my gun isn't going to be extremely fast. And there's three guys. So as I'm hiking along, I'm like, what, what do I do? What is going to be my response? If these guys decide that they're going to act in a way that is threatening towards me, what's my response going to be? And I'm on the edge of a mountain. Like I'm on a ridge where is kind of a cliff on one side and then goes around to the grassy side of the mountain on the other. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know what, if these guys 
attempt something with me, I will jump off this cliff (laughs) (laughs) before, before I stand here and let them have whatever their way is with me. It's always about having control of the situation. If I feel like I have control of the situation and I'm the one making the end decision, then I feel good about it. And I would have been happy to make that decision if that's what I had to make. Mm -hmm. And I would have done it, but it's a mindset thing of you guys don't have the control in the end. I'm going to make the final decision on what happens here. And and it's going to be on my terms. Right. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good thing to always have that plan ahead of time. What do you do? I've had a gentleman come up to me as I was getting prepared to walk in to a piece of property and it was very flirty, very questioning. Where are you going? What are you doing? What are, and you know, I'm going off to sit by myself and call some turkeys in like that. It's, it, it's just one of those situations. No, I, I don't want you to know where I'm going. Um, right. It's it's none of your damn business. Um, And so as soon as he said, well, I might walk with you, I racked a shell. Good. It it was just one of those, hey, I'm not one to mess with. I'm not I'm not somebody that you um, can take advantage of. I know myself. I am confident in myself. And if you mess with me, you're going to get hurt. And it wasn't, you know, those words don't have to be spoken. No, they can be shown in body language. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And as soon as I did that, he said, oh, you know what? Why don't you just have a great day? Good luck on your hunt. And he went the other way. And And he's lucky he went the other way without... Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's just setting that stage with your own body language. It's setting that stage of not being distracted. um, And that goes for anywhere you are, but not being distracted by something else, always being aware uh, and standing your dadgum ground. Um, Right. I'm, I'm strong enough to, to handle things. And like you said, this is my choice. And, uh, and if if you find me gone, look for somebody hurt because it was not <laughs> because of lack of fighting. Didn't, didn't go down without a fight. Yeah, no. uh-uh. no, I think that's super smart. And the being aware of your surroundings and your situation. I was hunting um, a couple years ago. I was it was opening morning of archery elk season and I was up hunting and I had hunted all day and I had just gotten back to my vehicle and I had parked, you know, off off of the side of a gravel road. And this kind of a beat up older car came screaming down the gravel road and pulled off really fast and kind of at an angle right in front of my vehicle. So it was preventing me from being able to drive anywhere, but I wasn't in my car yet. And that's an initial react, like for, for a woman, somebody parking and parking you in or closing you in or making you feel like you can't go maybe where you want to go. That's obvious. That's like a giant red flag right off the bat. Yep. And I was, so my guard was up and I had just been putting my pack in the car, but I stopped and I put it back on because my pistol was on my pack. Mm-hmm. And I thought, huh, I'm going to keep this handy because <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. And this guy jumps out of the car. He's pretty rough looking, but obviously a hunter. He had all camo on. He was all excited. And he says, come look at the back of my trunk and pops his trunk. And I'm like, this is like the, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> yeah, this is like exactly what they tell you not to do as yeah. a woman. And I'm just standing there looking at him and he's looking at me dumbfounded. Like, why aren't you coming and looking in my trunk? And I'm like, 
he has no idea. Guys are oblivious. It's true. To what we what we see as like, you know, a story on TV folding out about how this girl got kidnapped and thrown in the truck. Yes. He's like, I just want to show this gal this wolf I killed. He had just oh. got a wolf with his bow and he was so excited and he had it in the back of this car and he wanted to show me. And I'm standing there with my hand on my pistol, like, no man. <laughs> <laughs> But just, yes, being aware of your surroundings and thinking through, you know, what is this a normal situation? This Mm -hmm. isn't a normal situation. I'm going to take steps to make sure that I can protect myself as best as possible. Yeah. And you do have to think about nature. Like we can't discount it. Nature is wild and it it will chew us up if we're not prepared for it. And so the prep for being out there, making sure that where you are going, that you are able to to handle the terrain that you're able to get in and get out. Um, it's it's being prepared for all of those elements that give you the confidence to get in and out. It's your physical stamina is huge, whether you're on the East Coast, West Coast, uh, like anywhere you are, it's it's being able to handle what's in front of you, not going in blindly, not going in um without being trained, um, your body is a tool that you have to work for, that you have to work for those goals. And you do an excellent job of that. That's like your bread and butter, right? Yeah. (laughs) That is like what I do. And that's actually what I do as a job now. So I'm a coach for basically it's lifestyle, um, fitness and nutrition. And I coach all sorts of folks, but I definitely focus in on the hunting crowd and trying to help them prep for seasons or going up to Alaska. And I've got some clients that are prepping to pack out, you know, 150 pound packs of moose from Alaska on the tundra. So that kind of stuff is what I love. It's a passion of mine. And it all stemmed from just me going out on my own and wanting to be able to bring everything that I felt like I might need out there. I like to be prepared. I'm usually Mm -hmm. over-prepared. So my pack is heavy. It's heavy going in and hopefully heavier yet coming out. And I don't want to be slowed down because I physically just can't do something. And I know that if I put in the work and I put in the effort, I can have the stamina and the strength to go and do whatever I want. I don't want to see a mountain out there and be like, I wish I could go there, but I just, I'm not strong enough. I want to look at anything I see on the landscape and be like, huh, I think that's where I need to go. And I'm going to go there without hesitation. Yeah. What do you think is the most, um, I don't want to use, I want to use the word correctly. What is the thing that you think people don't prepare enough for? Hmm. Is it altitude or it's really hard to prep for that? It's hard just because there's so many different scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it is different, especially if you're somebody that's coming from a lower elevation to hunt in a higher elevation. Yeah. I mean, you're, it's going to take a little while to adjust to the oxygen difference for sure. Um, And then your core, people focus a lot on legs and it's important. Like when you're hiking your leg strength, you're going to burn your legs up going uphill and going downhill. And it's totally different, you know, going up is totally different than going down and training. Both of those is really important, but 
for hunting, when you're carrying a pack and you're doing all this stuff, like your core is so vital. And we often forget about that. It's something that we just kind of take for granted, but it's huge. It's the, it's kind of the foundation of everything. Mm -hmm. Without that, your, your back is a mess. Your, it's the thing that is holding you together as a former dancer um, and a teacher. It was where I started like that's the first thing yeah. that we talked oh. about was posture and core because right. it for anything it's yeah. the foundation it's your balance it's your strength it's the way that you um and you'll topple over without it so i i am not uh, a specialist in any of that but i know the value of your core and and how much damage you can cause not highlighting that part of your body in your routines. Yeah. It's, it's a foundational part of all the routines that I build. And the other thing that is really foundational, really important, not only in building yourself in training, but then once you get out in the field, it's so neglected, but it's so vital is your nutrition. Mm -hmm. Your nutrition is so important for, for your endurance, for your stamina out there, for your ability to perform. What we do as hunters is such a physical thing. Um, and oftentimes we're, we're a tough breed of people and we just think, oh, I'll just throw this peanut butter and jelly sandwich in and a, you know, a thing of water and I'll be good to go. <laughs> and yeah, that can be okay. But like, if you're packing an elk out of multiple trips up and down the mountain, like there's some very specific nutrients that you need in certain quantities to make sure that you're able to perform at your best and recover well and be able to go the next day and help your buddy pack his elk out. Like nutrition makes a giant difference and in our ability to perform. Yeah. You can get really sick out there if you are, uh, if you've lost calories, if you've lost um, de- dehydration, the like all of that can be a vital step in, in winning that, <laughs> that hunt or losing it. Yeah. And when you're going on multiple day hunts and stuff, like it builds up, everything builds up. So if there's a lack of nutrition and you're going on a two, two days out and then you come back that third day, your recovery on those, those evenings at back at camp, your recovery is really dependent upon what you gave your body that day. Mm-hmm. And if you're not giving it what it needs to recover your third, fourth, fifth day hunting, you might just hit a wall and you might be at camp. Yeah. <laughs> makes a big difference. I can, you know, we've been told our entire lives um, to lose weight, you've got to lower your calories. To lose weight, you've got to lower your calories. You've got to take carbs out. You've got to do. And yes. I feel like it is such a lie that. Well, it is. <laughs> in, in certain sense, it is. So that's like the very basic thing. But women, we're really good at cutting out calories. And I'll have to tell you, uh, I I would say right at this point, at least a hundred percent of my female clients and most of my male clients who have come to me have been under eating. And what we have to do at the very beginning is to rebuild their strength of their metabolism. We have to get their calories up. We have to help their body understand that they are not going to starve and it boosts their metabolism. They're eating way more food and they're losing weight. And it seems so against everything that you hear. Carbs are super important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can't be cutting out all these carbs. That's how we perform. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy what we hear and, and, 
everything out there in the internet is so confusing and conflicting. I have so many people come to me and they're like, I'm just so frustrated because I don't know what to do because everything tells me to do something different. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> it's so true. It's like, I if you eat more protein, you're going to do great. Well, you there is such a thing as too much protein. And, yeah. and there is, protein. you've got to have protein. You've got to have fat. You've got to have carbs. You've got to have water. Like these are all of the things that your body is made of. And so if you starve and deprive your body of it, then it's going to revolt against you. Right. It's all about a balance, but that balance is different for every single person. Mm -hmm. It has stuff, you know, a big cookie cutter thing or some program based off of one number is not going to fit very many people. It's, it's gotta be custom to you, but then in the end it is, it's all about balance. It's about balance of movement, Mm -hmm. you know, reducing stress in your life. Your sleep is super important and everybody is freaking sleep deprived. Um, (laughs) getting enough water, getting balanced meals all throughout the day, not starving yourself until dinner. There's all these things that come into play and they all matter in the end. They do. They all matter and they all matter in how you are preparing to be out there. Because if you just all of a sudden go from willy nilly, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to eat, whatever you want to work out, like however that, and then you go into a hunt situation where all of a sudden you're strict and you've got this and this and this lined up. Well, then your body is going, wait, what the hell did you just do to me? Right. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it has is, to be consistent to carry on to the hunt. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's, vital to not just be good on your hunt, but to prepare your body for what you're about to put through it. And, you know, here I have the benefit of being able to do quick day hunts and be home, you know, by the evening or even if I'm going close by a morning hunt and being home by noon. Um, But whether you're doing that kind of hunting or you're doing, you know, multiple days a week, whatever, you're still having to um, to prepare yourself for that. I've been out for a half of a day and I have forgotten food. And yeah. there is no way I could have packed anything out. I've actually had to call my husband at one point to help me because I didn't realize my body was sick. I didn't realize I had a fever. And I got to a situation where there was no way I could continue um, the process of, of bringing the deer home that I had mm-hmm. and I needed help and there's nothing wrong with asking for help, but I didn't listen to no. my body in the beginning. Right. Right. You can prevent a lot of things. If you take a little bit of time and prepare and give yourself what, what you need, then you're you know a lot more able to handle that stuff. But yeah, it doesn't matter. It, what I've seen overall is like your overall ability to enjoy the whole experience is just dramatically increased when you spend a little bit of time in preparation, you know, all year long, Mm -hmm. I like to be, I like to be in, you know, a level of fitness to where I can go out and enjoy a hunt and not be stressed all year long. I don't want to let my body kind of go downhill and not focus on it, not take care of it for six months. And then just in a month or two before hunting season, just try to hit everything like crazy and get ready. It's way easier to just maintain a healthy fitness level throughout the year and just be ready to go whenever the opportunity arises. Yeah. And that's the ultimate goal is to enjoy what we're doing out there. And um, when when you don't take the time um, 
of that prep of working out or eating good nutrition or um, checking out where you're going to hunt, uh, being aware, being prepared for any situation that you're going into. It's not just one thing. It's all of these things. And I think talking to women who are wanting to solo hunt, don't expect it to happen overnight. Don't put yourself in a situation where, okay, I'm going to go out and do it today without preparing for it because you're going to possibly fail that day and then feel like you can't do it again. And so being able to do all of those things ahead of time, no, it's not going to prepare you for every situation, every scenario that can come at you, but you're not going to feel like you failed. You're going to feel like you've learned lessons along the way and push you further into wanting to accomplish that goal. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the more prepared you are, the more you'll enjoy it and the more success you'll have. Yeah. But, you know, looking at it as like a lifelong thing, I mean, I know I'll never feel like I'm there. You know, I'll never feel like that's the best part of hunting. (laughs) Yeah. You're always learning and you're always growing as a hunter and the stuff that you are passionate about and you, you know, you're wanting to try to achieve is always going to be changing. As soon as you achieve something that you've been wanting to achieve, you have a new goal. You know, there's always something to be chasing, which is, I love that part of it. I do too. I love, I think that's one of the things that, that pulled me into this lifestyle was the fact that there was always something more to learn. There was always another challenge around, um, around the corner. Yes. I got a final, like I did my solo hunt where it all came to one point and I did it, but now what's next? And there's not an end to it. There's not a cliff that you come to and you're done. There's always another mountain. And that's the best part of, of this lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's something that it grows with you. And, you know, as you go through it, you just find more and more things. It's to the point now where I'm like, oh, there's so much I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) And you've accomplished so much already. And yet there's just so much more. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I love that part. I love it. And I, I think that one of the things We talked about this before I even pressed record. Um, You sat down with your coffee. I think one of the things when I was watching your episode on Alone the Beast, um, one of the things that you said that you missed the most was coffee. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And your knife. And um, was it the scalpel that you said? Yes. I, I always carry a scalpel. I love skinning. I love mm-hmm. working up animals and, and I'm, I've always been very proficient. Like it's a th- something I can do quick. I'm good at it. And so being presented with an animal and they're like, skin this with nothing. <laughs> like, oh, this is so frustrating. <laughs> I just want my knife. I would be done in half an hour. <laughs> yeah. I think that that was people, people will mix up the show alone with Alone the Beast. And Alone the Beast is is quite different because there's not like the prize is the survival, right? It's not um 
like alone is just totally different. There's a huge prize money. There's a huge, but alone the beast, you're, you're with two other people and you're trying to survive the 30 days, but you can't take anything with you. Right. You have no tools, no tools, but you have a couple teammates and then they give you the dead animal to use. And the goal, the win, if you win, basically your episode, you're just, you're surviving for that set 30 days. If you make it to the end, then you've won. And that is a giant reward. It feels pretty amazing to make 30 days with nothing out there. Yeah. But it was, it was an awesome experience. Definitely nothing I ever expected I would do, but Hey, when you get the chance to do something crazy, you got to go for it. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's kind of like one of those, um, if you if you look back and say, well, I didn't take that chance. Are you going to beat yourself yeah. up over it? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't something that I sought out. It wasn't something that I wanted to do, but I was offered the opportunity and I thought, I will regret it mm-hmm. if I don't do this. And I, I think I even said that on the show. Like one of the things that I try to live by is, I want to make all the decisions to where when I look back, I don't have regrets. And I knew I had to go do it, (laughs) even though I knew it would be miserable to some extent. I also knew I'd learn a ton and I did. Yeah. And you get to say, look what I did. Look at <laughs> this is so random, but I did this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those um, when you do the what is it? Three truths and a lie. Um, if people had right. not Googled you or didn't know you from Adam and you just kept it kind of vague and said, well, I survived 30 days without blah, blah, blah. Um, it might not be something that people would jump on and um and guess that you actually did that. I think that's the exciting part of a surprise. Um, I love surprising people with things that I can do. And maybe that's just a little bit of my self-aware or my uh, just a little bit of a, a, a self-esteem boost there. Um I did take that away from it. Like it was one of those things when I got to the end of it, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm limiting myself too much. Like, mm. If I can come here and I can succeed so well at this challenge, like what else can I do that I just haven't even considered? Mm-hmm. It made me want to open my mind up to other possibilities of what I could possibly accomplish. And that is the ultimate goal right there. It's being able to step outside of something that you would be ultimately comfortable with and challenging yourself a little bit further and, uh, and then that's going to even push you further into something else later. You yep, can't, it was a valuable experience in that way. You sure. can't walk away and say, well, I can't do that because dadgummit <laughs> can't is not in your vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can do that. That's so right. else can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lindsay, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I tell everybody real quick how they can follow you and how they can find you and what you can do for them. Um, y'all, I'm on most social media platforms as Hunt Fiber or Lindsay Persico Hunt Fiber. Um, and then my website is huntfiber.com. Um, if you're interested in training with me, there's a tab on my website that says training. Um, I'd be happy to talk with people about programs if they're interested in getting ready for a hunting season. They got something coming up or they just want to get more fit in life. That sounds great. Thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun talking with you.